0: God is good, is He? All the time. We're in our series on Wednesday night, entitled "What Faith for Others," and um, I, I've th- this has been one of the most impacting messages to study. Um, I don't, I don't study the word for a sermon. I study the word to build myself, and then I see God about what to preach. And um, it, it's it, it's unique. Sometimes I'll hear somebody preaching something, and I'll get a little nugget. Or sometimes it'll be something that I've been studying, and it and it kind of jumps off the page. And 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 uh, the way the way you know I, that I received the the information for this message has has been really unique and it's it's really encouraged me even individually personally it's encouraged me in realizing that we live in this world where it's easy to be about ourselves and not to really be aware or concerned or focused on the needs of other people and when Jesus was on the earth he was a person that was built up in faith he spent 30 years of preparation for three years of ministry and he was built up in faith and he went and he taught the word and the stories in the Bible of people that were healed they were healed because he was in faith now the woman with the issue of blood he said your faith has made you whole but what was her faith in her faith was in what he taught she didn't just her neighbor didn't just come one day and say hey there's a guy over there that heals there hadn't been any healings until jesus showed up for 400 years on planet earth and and so for people to really believe, and, and, and the Pharisees and the Sadducees were working overtime to make it look like that the things that were happening were just a figment of their imagination. It was a, it was a hoax. And, um, and so she had to have listened to him teach. And what she believed in was him. In other words, she believed that he believed what he was talking about. And you and I have a responsibility day to day to have faith for others. We have a responsibility to be built up in our lives so that when we come in contact with other people, they're they're not just bumping up against another human being. They're entering into the presence Of the anointing that's being activated because you're in faith. See, if it was just because of who Jesus was, then everybody in Nazareth would have been healed. But the Bible says very few in his hometown were healed. And it wasn't because he wasn't in faith, it's because they didn't believe it. They were too moved by who he was as an individual. And so you and I today have this responsibility. And, and um, so <clears throat> I want to start with our foundation verse, James chapter 3, and verse 2. For, if we, for, for we all stumble in many things, and if anyone does not stumble in word... Or what he says, he is a perfect man able to bridle the whole body. Listen to this in the Amplified, verse 2. For we all often stumble and fall and offend in many things. And if anyone does not offend in speech, the parentheses in the Amplified says what? Never says the wrong things. He is a fully developed character. This word perfect here doesn't mean flawless. It means developed. It's not flawless. It's a developed, matured person. He is a fully developed character, a perfect man, not a flawless person, but a a mature and developed, able to control his whole body and to curb his entire nature. Does it matter what we say? Does it matter what we say? Keep thinking about that as we go through this message. Does it matter what you say? Does what you say affect how you develop and how you're positioned for the good of other people? I' say it again. Does what you say matter, and, and, and does it affect your position for others, whether you're in faith or in unbelief? Proverbs 18 and verse 20) <clears throat> A man's stomach shall be satisfied from the fruit of his mouth, and from the produce of his lips he shall be filled. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. a man is satisfied by the fruit of his mouth and the produce of his lips. With the produce of his lips, he shall be filled. Whether death or life, but he will be filled. If we constantly miss it, if we're constantly missing it in what we say, the issue is is that we're carnal if we're constantly saying the wrong thing, it's because we're in our head. Because a person that is fully developed has the ability to say the wrong thing. And less carnal thinking will produce less carnal conversation and talking. And can we go all day without saying the wrong thing? I don't think He would have said that if we couldn't. Can we go two days without saying the wrong thing? Can we, if we're being developed, go a whole week and never say the wrong thing? Could we actually go a whole month and never say the wrong thing? I don't think I've ever been as challenged in my life like I am right now about everything that I say. Everything. And when you allow yourself to be challenged about what you say, what happens is that you begin to realize how many carnal things you've been saying only when you allow yourself to be challenged will you realize how much needs to be cleaned up because I don't I mean if you're a person that's going three or four days and never saying the wrong thing how about a week to go a whole week it means there's got to be more cleaned up and it's not a law it's, it, it, this isn't a law, it's, it's when you begin to be in control and not out of control in your flesh, in your life, things that used to get the best of you in your mind or in your body, finding yourself doing things that you really don't want to do but you feel like you can't stop it, I believe what he's saying in these two passages of Scripture, it starts with what we say. It starts with what we say. There's a whole lot more of the process because it's not just what we say, it's what we think. Because what we're talking about is being a fully developed person whose faith is built up so that when we lay hands on sick people that need us to be in faith, they get well. Faith for others. Does it matter what you say? I say yes. Yes. I say it really matters what we say. Back in the James passage, look at that again. In James 3, third verse. Indeed we put bits in horses' mouths that we may that they may obey us and we turn their whole body. Look also at ships, though they are large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires it or turns it, right? So, your tongue is the steering wheel of your life. And the direction that your life is going in, how things are manifesting or happening in your life are determined by your steering wheel. The tongue is compared to the bit in the horse's mouth. Tongue is compared to the rudder of the ship to steers it in the direction that it goes. So the question is, what direction is your life going in? If it matters what we say, and what I say is steering my life in one direction or another, why wouldn't we want to clean it up? See, it's not, it's not a law. We don't put ourselves under a law because, because if you put yourself under the law, you'll break it. Guarantee, we're under grace. We have the freedom to change it and to clean it up and to steer it in the right direction. We have the liberty and the freedom to do that. And and not only do we have the liberty and freedom to do it, we have the book, and it's an open book challenge, right? It's an open book challenge in our life. We've got the Holy Spirit, that is the one. I mean. Anybody ever cheat on tests in school? Hmm? My hands up. You know, one of the best ways was up your arm. Right here. You could write the answers. You know? You became left-handed that day. Hello? Sorry about that. My phone's ringing. I'm one of my school teachers. <laughs> but if you think about it, what you're after was the answers. And we've got the answer on the inside of us. We have the Holy Spirit who will reveal the truth and tell us what to say. So it's open book test and we've got the answers. What I'm going to share with you in here in a minute just came to me today as I was reading. I spend I spend probably a couple of times a year where I read through about the children of Israel and their experience in Egypt and then Moses leading them out. I read that because there's something new that always jumps out. And I saw something today as I was reading that that went right in line with what I was going to share tonight. So... Think, think, think about this. The only thing... Okay, think, think about your life. How, there's three and a half months left in this year. Three and a half months left in this year. What, what, what if you were challenged for the rest of this year clean this up, what could happen? What could happen as you clean this up? And I'm going to give you this challenge. Actually, I was going to talk about this right now, but I'm not. I'm going to do it right at the end. Because I want to give you this other piece that I think is key. Now watch. In Hebrews, in Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 1, it says this. <clears throat> Hebrews three and one. Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and the high priest of your of our confession, Jesus Christ. King James uses the word profession. The New King James is confession. It's our confession. Chapter 4 and verse 14. Seeing then we have a great high priest who's passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession or our profession. And then look at chapter 10 and verse 23. <clears throat> Let us hold fast the confession or the profession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. The word profession the, the word profession in that is the word used in the in the King James so that word in in the Greek means to say the same thing. That word profession is to declare. Hold fast, in other words, to what you say. And we read in these three passages of Scripture that Jesus is the high priest over our what? Confession. And what He's high priest and what He's watching over is what you say that He says. Because we're called to say the same thing that He's already said. And and what I say, the reason it's so important, I'm going to ask you the question again. Is it important what you say? I want an answer. Is it important what you say? Yes? Is it? It's very important. I can't stress how important what we say is. And when you take a challenge like I'm going to give you at the end of this message, when you take this challenge and this isn't a bad confession, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you what Jesus would tell you that hell will send trouble your way but the Bible says that trouble comes because of the word because of the sake of the Word. And so when trouble comes, if I'm holding fast to my confession, my profession, if I'm, if I'm living my life daily saying the same things that He says are so, okay, He's watching over that to see that that is performed. Because God cannot lie. If He said it's so, then it's so. Now, how many have ever made confessions in your life that you've not seen come to pass? Anybody? I mean honestly? You've confessed the Word, you've confessed certain things and you've not seen certain things happen. And then, how many of you have ever questioned God about why you haven't seen what you've confessed? Right? We've questioned God at times. So. I found this verse of scripture in lamentations. Some people say, where? Is that a city or the book in the Old Testament. Lamentations chapter three. and verse 37. I'm going to read it up on the board <clears throat> think about this verse who is he man what is the deal who is he who speaks And it comes to pass when the Lord has not commanded it. Who is he who speaks and it comes to pass when the Lord hasn't commanded it? Now, think about that. And then let's go to Numbers chapter 13. I'm going to read a few verses in here just to drive this point home. Who is he who speaks a thing for it to come to pass, but the Lord didn't command it? That was a question. The first part of that is a question. And the second part of it is, but yet the Lord didn't command that person to say that. So, is there certain things that are truth but are not necessarily timely. So let's think about that. Numbers 13 and verse 1. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the children of Israel. So the children of Israel were in Egypt For over 400 years, they were in bondage in Egypt. And the bondage got worse and worse and worse and worse, and they cried out and they cried out and they cried out and they cried out. And God sent them a Savior. And Moses is a type and shadow of Jesus who is our Savior. And God strategically set Moses up at 80 years old to go in And to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt, out of the bondage. And from, I mean, you can start reading in several different places about the children of Israel. But right from the start, when everything in the journey was not just perfect, the complaining started. It was the first miracle. Pharaoh got ticked off, and he made them work harder and harder. Made them have to go get their straw instead of being delivered to them in what they were making bricks. And every time there was another miracle, there were 10 of them. And every time there was another one, they continued to complain. Even though God proved Himself and saw each one of those things through, they continued to complain. Because God led Moses to the children of Israel to lead them out, to lead them into the promised land. Where they were at in Egypt to where they were going to cross the Jordan was about an 11 day journey. And so. Finally, Pharaoh lets the children of Israel go. They come to the Red Sea. They complain. God parts the Red Sea. I mean, God parts the Red Sea. I mean, it's parted. They go go across. They go across on dry land. They come to the other side. They get on the other side. They're rejoicing. And then there's no water. And the water's bitter. And they complain. And then the water's good. And then there's no food. And they're complaining. And then there's this. And then there's that. And the next thing. And so they're out in the wilderness. And in chapter 13, Moses says, Now, I'm going to send them under the direction of God to go see the land that God has already given them. God's already given them this land. I want you to go see the land... And bring a report. And so, in verse 27, 12 of them go out. They come back. They bring some of the fruit as directed by the Lord, bring some of the fruit back of the land. I mean, they're, they're hauling in grapes. I mean, it takes four guys to haul in just a, one little connection of grapes. Because they're so massive and so big. And so, here's the first spokesperson's words. Let me ask you again, does it matter what you say? Verse 27, And they told him and said, We went to the land where you sent us. First off, he didn't tell them, he didn't say, We went to the land that you gave us. We went to the land that you sent us. Okay? Okay. It truly flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit which they deliver to them. This is verse 27. Nevertheless, or but, there's that but, that but always gets in the way, right? Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south and the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the mountains and the Canaanites dwell in the sea and along the banks of the Jordan. And I mean, here's all the children of Israel and these 12 guys. And they were sent out to go and see the land that God had already given them. And this is their report. And Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. It matters what you say. But the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we are. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying... Now remember remember what... What the the rep said here in verse 27? He said, It truly flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. But now, verse 32 is what's on the inside of him. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land, which they had spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. And there we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak came from the giants, and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so were we in their sight. There's a lot to be said there. But this is the report. Does it matter what we say? Chapter 14 and verse 1. So, the, so all the congregation lifted up their voices and they cried. And the people wept that night. And all the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron and the whole congregation said to them, If only we had died in the land of Egypt, or if only we had died in this wilderness. They'd been saying that over and over and over and over and over again. So they said to one another, Let us select a leader and return back to Egypt, back to the bondage. You know the old saying, You can lead somebody out of Egypt. But it's a lot more difficult to get Egypt out of you, right? So they said to one another, Let us select a leader and and lead us out. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the children of Israel. Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of his father, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes. And they spoke to all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, the land we pass through to spy out is, exceedingly, is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. Honey, only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land, for they are our bread, their protection has departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. And all the congregation, man, ready to stone them, ready to kill them over this situation now here's my point God comes to Moses and he says this bunch of stiff necked rebellious people he said I'm ready to take them out and Moses came to God and said yeah but remember your promises and the Bible says that God backed off because of the faith of Moses. We're talking about having faith for others. Moses had faith for the good of the stick, ne- stick stiff-necked rebellious people. He had faith for them. Even in spite of them, their issues and, and, and all the stuff. And so... Verse 26, the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron saying, how long shall I bear with him? And that's what, that, that was his point. And Moses spoke to him and, and, and told him, you know, remember your promises. Then in verse 39, look at this. Then Moses told these words to the children of Israel. And the words that he told them was that, Because of their attitude and because of their lack of willingness to change what they said, their lack of willingness to change their confession and what they were declaring, God said, everybody 20 years old and older are not going into the promised land. All of those people are going to stay. All the young ones are going to go in. Joshua and Caleb went into the promised land, but everybody else, 20 and older, were not going in. And so Moses, in verse 39, Moses tells these words to the children of Israel, and the people mourned greatly. In verse 40, look what happened. And they rose up early in the morning, and they went up to the top of the mountain, saying, everybody say, saying, Okay? Here we are, and we will go up to the place which the Lord has promised for we have sinned. Is that a good confession? Is that a good confession? It's a good confession, but that's not what the Lord said. Hmm. That's not, what God, that's not what God said. God said, you're not going in. God encouraged him. Time after time, situation after situation, He encouraged them that Moses was leading them out to lead them into the promised land. It was not God's will for them to stay in the wilderness. But Because of their rebellion and not changing what they said, what God was looking for was, Not a forty-year journey, you know, that should only take eleven days. He was looking for a change of heart. Says in Exodus that less when they see war they turn tail and go back. God was preparing them on this journey, so they're taking this journey that was going to take them a little while. What if it took six months? What if it took a year? What if it took two years to get in? I didn't have to take forty. What God was looking for was them to change their confession when they faced opposition. What causes you and I to grow up and never say the wrong thing is practicing what we say when we face opposition. If we're moved by what we see, if we're moved by how we feel, if we're moved by you know, whatever emotion, then what's going to come out of our, our mouth are things that are going to defile and shut down God's desire to prosper you, to encourage you, to increase you? Yes? I mean, somebody would have to hogtie me and beat me to a pulp, and I still wouldn't make some negative confession over this body like, well, we'll never increase. Well, we'll never do this. Well, we'll ne- you, you, you couldn't get me to say it. I won't say it. I won't say it over my, my own home or, 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 or my life or my family. I, I won't say it. I, my, my mouth won't get caught saying those kind of things. And these people, these people were caught in this situation where now they're told they're not going in and now we're going to change. Yeah. See, because on this side of the cross, the mercy and the grace of God are there for you every day. God takes us right where we're at. It's never too late in the mercy and the grace of God, but it becomes too late if we don't make the choice. See, that side of the cross, there's one set of rules. This side of the cross, through the blood of Jesus, it's different, but yet it still works the same way, even though Old Testament is fulfilled. Still works the same way. You choose not to do things, change the way that you talk, nothing will change. Mercy, grace of God, all that still won't change. You and I have to, we have to choose am I going to say something that God didn't say for me to say in the moment? I can make confession all the time. When I confess the Word on a day-to-day basis and I say what He says is so, I'm building my faith. But when I'm in a specific time and situation that, that a timely Word needs to be spoken, I've got to speak what He says is so in that situation. I've got to agree with what He says. I've got to say the same thing that Jesus would say to get the results that Jesus would get. I can't just say anything. I can't just throw anything out there. That's why we have the Holy Ghost. That's why we've got the Word of God. And the Word and the Spirit, the truth and the Spirit combined, are what gives you and I the ability to speak the same thing that Jesus would say in any given situation. That's powerful. That's amazing. That's over the top. That's beyond anything that you can even ask or think. We can have the same results that Jesus had if we say the same thing that He would say if we get from the Holy Ghost what needs to be said in a given time in a given situation. But that's why we've got to find ourselves shutting up, putting our hand over our mouth, not allowing ourselves to say things Not allowing ourselves to just say the first thing that comes to our mind. Not allowing ourselves to get stirred up emotionally to where we say things that shouldn't be said. We need to be confessing the Word of God all the time. We need to be thanking God today. So my challenge to you tonight, for the rest of this year, is what are you saying about where you are right now and the conditions around you versus what Jesus says about you. I say the famine's over. I say that suddenlies are manifesting all the time. I say that increase and blessing and favor is on mine and your lives. That's what I say. Amen? I, I, I say that. That new opportunities are manifesting here and there and everywhere. What could the last three and a half months of this year be like if you take the challenge of never letting any wrong thing come out of your mouth? He said, a mature, developed person, a mature and a developed person able to bridle the whole body and curb or control everything that he does. What could happen? I'm talking about, I'm telling you tonight, you don't know things that are coming out of your mouth. And this challenge will change things in your life. And you'll never be the same if you'll take the challenge. I say, I say that there is a shift that's going on. A shift from lack to abundance. From not enough to more than enough. That's what I say. I say there's a shift that's happening in the people. We said certain things like this throughout the year, but I'm still saying it. I'm still saying it where you're concerned. And when most of the things that I'm saying right now, most people might think of just in the financial realm, I'm talking about in every way. In every relationship that you have. Jessica, during during the transition, um, you said something about... What'd you say? <laughs> you, you said something that did, s- struck me, based on what I was going to say tonight. What'd she say about if if you came in here with something? How'd she say that? Yeah. Right. But she said something else. <laughs> anyway, it, it, it's something like that. It was it was something like that. That that we, we don't have to tolerate and put up with conditions in our life today if we change what we say. Life and death are in the power of what you say. If you never say the wrong thing, same as a perfect, not a flawless, but a perfect, developed man able to bridle the whole body and curb everything in their life, control everything in their life. I don't know about you, but that's good news. And, and if it starts with what I say then where will that lead me? See, if you're, trying to th- in, if, you're tr- if you're trying to figure out in your mind how changing what I say, I mean watching every single word that you say out of your mouth is going to affect things, if you're trying to figure that out, you got to shut that down. You just have to do it out of obedience to the Word. Do what He says. So we're just going to do what He says. We're going to say what He says and do what He says and then what will evolve from that? If you've never really taken a challenge like this, how could you know what will be on the other side of it? How things will evolve and, and, and turn up in your life in, in ways that you, in your natural mind you could have never dreamed would happen. What could the next three and a half months be like in this year? Amen. Could the famine really be over where your life is concerned in in whatever area? You know, the famine doesn't mean that that there's famine in every area of your life, but you know what it means for you. Could suddenlies manifest? The Bible's full of suddenlies everywhere, everywhere, everywhere. Throughout the Bible, certain things happen suddenly. Not instantly, but suddenly it happens. There was a lot that went in to that suddenly happening, but why not the last three and a half months of this year being a time of suddenlies? I'm just telling you, take the confession, the tongue challenge, and remember, Jesus is the high priest watching over, making sure that what you say comes to pass when you say what He says is so. Man! Man, what could happen in the next three and a half months? What could happen? Father, tonight, we thank You for Your Word.